1: And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Feature Podcast, presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Feature, and you can find my work at astrosfeature.com and find me on Twitter, at Astros Feature.
0: And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter at ham 1720 And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account, at Apollo H-O-U, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: Today on the Astros Future Podcast, we're joined by a very special guest, and that is Jake Kaplan, who covers the Astros for the Athletic. How's it going, Jake? It's going all right. How are you guys doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So, I figure we'll just jump right into it. The Astros are sitting at 32 and 25 right now. What's your take so far on the Astros, the 2021 season?
2: Yeah, so a little more than a third of the way already, right? Um, Yeah. I I think they're kind of what I thought they would be to, like, on a big, picture macro sense I think my prediction coming into the year was 89 wins and then ALS title they look like they're on pace for 89 90 right now um and I still think they'll win the ALS um maybe a little surprising how they've gotten there um but like maybe not even that to that that much of a surprise in that standpoint either like we we knew that their offense was going to be what carried them Um, I definitely had questions about the bullpen coming into the year. I don't. I think it's been worse than I expected, but I think the starting pitching's probably been better than I expected. So, um, I wouldn't say there's like a ton of huge surprises. Maybe just like, you know, you'd think Bregman and Alvarez would have more homers than they would right now, but like, yeah, you know, um, offense is also down everywhere. So, I don't know. It's it's tough to know what to make of certain individual trends but from like a big picture team standpoint they're about where I thought they would be
1: yeah you know I know the the offense has been uh really good to this point and it uh, I know Bregman has been a slow starter it seems like throughout his career and, and it feels like he's sitting a really quiet like 290 because it doesn't feel like he's doing a whole lot but you, you kind of look at the numbers and they're not too bad but yeah Correa and you know some of the other guys carrying us. but ultimately you look at the Astros especially if you watched over the last four weeks, really, like you mentioned, the one downside that, you know, I think people prepared for coming into the season was the bullpen and it has been really, really bad. And what's your take on that? Do you think that that's something that the Astros can get figured out, you know, with people that they have currently in the organization, or is that something that they may have to look at, um, you know, bringing in some new bodies?
2: I think both, um, you know, I, I, they obviously have Ryan Presley as, like, a reliable, high-leverage guy. But they need more reliable, high-leverage guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you project for the postseason, um, you know, I think you need, like, uh, probably three of them, right? Um, and you can you can rely on those guys heavily once you're there, but you, you need them to exist first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Christian Javier and Luis Garcia, like, Javier's already in the bullpen. Luis Garcia seems like he'll be there at some point Mm. when McCullough, when McCullough is back, that will help for sure. Right. Um, You know, but like, are they going to stay there the rest of the year or are they going to be needed in the rotation again at some point? I find it hard to believe the Astros are going to go the rest of the season with no starting pitcher injuries. Um, Mm. So. Right. Yeah. I think um, short term they'll probably be okay because of those guys moving to the pen. Longer term, the de- trade deadline is definitely going to be a thing. I don't know, you know, it's 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 a hard one to predict with the Astros because we know they, you know, it's it's pretty obvious by how they structured the Jay Goderizzi contract and how they cut Steve Cishek, even though he was one of would have like been one of their better relievers, that they want to stay under this luxury tax threshold, right? Um, and also, they don't really have prospects that many prospects to trade anymore, so. Mm-hmm. And I was also looking this morning at, like, all the selling teams, and they don't have that many good players that you would want. So, like, I, between those three factors, like, I'm not sure what's going to come of the trade deadline. Like, so um, it's a long-winded way to answer, but I, I think everything's kind of on the table at this point.
1: Yeah, so that's one yeah. thing I was thinking about on on the trade deadline aspect of things is, is the luxury tax and how the Astros have, have tried to avoid that. And then thinking about it, would they potentially look at adding a reliever or maybe an outfielder. And I know we're still a ways away. And you know, there's gonna be teams that maybe right now are sitting at five hundred, but maybe come the end of July they're they're looking a lot worse. So maybe more sellers will will develop. But uh yeah, it looks like they're gonna eventually have to, you know, make some kind of move. I mean, I know. Miles Straw has been a little bit better recently. I know that's a lot of a position that a lot of people look at that the Astros could upgrade would be center field or like you mentioned, just high leverage reliever, but, um, it'll be interesting to see how they navigate that, you know, trying to avoid the, the luxury tax.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, there's other teams that need a center fielder as well, like the mm-hmm. Mets, for example. And I, I, I don't see any out there. Like I think if there was one out there, like the, the Mets would have gotten them already. Like, um, there's there's teams that have the same needs as the Astros. I think a lot of teams would like a better a better center fielder, a better shortstop, a you know a, a better catcher in general. And those those three things are the hardest positions to fill. And the Astros, unfortunately for them, need one of those three in, in center field. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of what you see, which is what you get for center field. I think right. the easier position to upgrade is is relief pitching. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, looking at the current. Teams that are obvious sellers, there's not a ton there that really excites you. But um, like, you, like you mentioned, that maybe more teams will, will fall out and, and sell closer to the deadline, which is why you don't really see moves happen in June, because everyone's waiting for that. But um, the luxury tax thing is, is, is weird. I, I, I don't know why it's become normal to like, um, like why fans kind of accept that teams treat it as a salary cap. Right. Um, because it's not, they can, it's, a, if they, if the Astros decide that they don't want to spend over the luxury tax threshold, that's a choice they made, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and if they let that get in the way of maximizing the 21 team, I mean, I, I don't really get it from, from the, my perspective as a journalist right. cover, covering the team, it seems like you would want to maximize the last year of Carlos Correa and Zach Greinke, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, your core guys are only going to get older, but sure. um i don't know teams i mean for some reason the owners of brainwashed fans into thinking that it's like just like what you do is you don't go over the tax right. right and it's and it's okay so i i don't really know how to uh you know reconcile that one it's kind of a <laughs> weird one to grapple with
0: with the luxury tax so that's one thing that i'm not as familiar with so what you were just saying is how you know the owners kind of make you think that that's kind of like a salary cap. I think that's a perfect way to put it if you look at it all uh, like the big picture. But is that something that, that at least to your knowledge, is done like universally across baseball? I mean, I know we know that the Yankees and Red Sox are super rich and they always spend money, but do they even try avoiding the luxury tax?
2: Yeah, this year they are. And I should note, the Astros did pay the luxury or did go over the luxury tax for the first time in team history in 2020. Um, Okay. I don't. I think the actual like monetary part of it was suspended last year because of, of COVID and the weird pandemic season. So like, I don't think they actually had to pay a fine or a tax, but I, it did impact their George Springer compensation pick. You know, it, it dropped from it dropped from like seven low seventies to like, which is like after the second round to whatever after the fourth round is. So like one forty, let's call it. Which is like, I mean. It's something, but is that that big a deal? I don't know. And so yeah, like most teams avoid it. There's on a given year, there's like two or three teams that pay it. I'm not sure if anyone's, except for the Dodgers, are paying are gonna pay it this year. The Dodgers are way over now after the Bauer signing. Um, but yeah, I mean it's like a, a colleague of mine, Andy McCullough at the Athletic, wrote a column in the winter, like, why are teams so scared of the luxury tax? Like, it, it doesn't really make much sense um, that they are, but it's just kind of become normalized and fans just seem to be, like, okay with it. it, it I, I you, you hope that in the new CBA, there's, like, a new system that incentivizes spending more. Right. Um, but I think all that remains to be seen.
1: Okay. So looking at, looking at the Astros right now, and they're starting to get a little bit healthier, you know, getting Valdez back and then hopefully – uh, just getting Odorizzi back. Hopefully McCullers isn't too far behind, but when the rotation is fully healthy and you have a guy, you know, like Grinky and Javier and Garcia McCullers and or Kitty and Odorizzi and, and Valdez, are you thinking Javier Garcia to the bullpen for sure? Or do you, do you think there would be any other, any other potential movement there?
2: Um, well, like odds are that not all seven will stay healthy from July through mm-hmm. October, um so that kind of all, like most things tend to like work themselves out but mm-hmm. um it's weird right like the odor signing like it in retrospect seems like it was just like a panic move that didn't need to happen right. um right obviously right. they didn't know valdez was gonna be back so soon but um the way garcia has broken out and become like a real dude um and javier has has you know his, his rookie season wasn't an aberration and Nerkiti's really, really good. And they like, I don't know. I think it's gonna be hard for them to maximize their arms in the way that they would, would want to, if like Odorizzi wasn't there, they kind of have to start him because they signed him. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Like if McCullers comes back in mid June and you move Garcia to the bullpen over Odorizzi, like, how's that going to play? So I don't really know. I, I think it's a big question. I don't think they know. I think they're kind of just hoping it works itself out. And, uh, yeah. um, you know, like I said, these things do kind of tend to work themselves out. But um, the Odorizzi Rizzi signing was, you know, that was uh, a good amount of, of money in like their calculation for like what they had left under the luxury tax threshold mm-hmm. that is going to impact you know, what they can do at the trade deadline if they indeed decide that they're still staying under it.
1: Right.
0: I mean, do you think moving Jake Odorizzi to the bullpen is a, is a possibility? I mean, I haven't... I'm not saying that it's a bad idea. I don't think it's a bad idea at all, but it's not one that you really see mentioned very often.
2: I don't... I don't think it's, like, out of the question, but I don't think it's it's the move. I think, like, he's a starter. We're, and, like, they're all starters, but, like, you could kind of, like, see the like the other guy's stuff playing up as relievers a little bit more than you could his for him. He's like five guy with five pitches who mixes and matches. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Whereas like Garcia, like if you put him in a bullpen role, like he might be throwing 98. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I don't, it was also like the element of like, like you, you sign the guy to start, um, if you're if you have like a, an eight million dollar, ten million dollar, whatever his average annual value is, long reliever mm-hmm. right, a, right after you signed him, like it's not exactly a great look, and like especially like maintaining yeah. va- maintaining value for for like the future, like I I don't know, um, I don't really think he's going to be out of, pitching out of the bullpen, but you know right. I think I, I think everything's like interesting, interesting to talk about, interesting to debate and think about. I mean, ideally, all seven are starting pitchers, right? And Oh, yeah. Um, like, I think there's also the element of, like, Javier's career-high in innings is 113, Garcia's is 108. Like, those guys were going to need breaks at some point anyway. Yeah. Um, You know, Arquiti's career-high is 155, so he's a little bit in better shape there. But he also only threw 30 last year. So, like, all these guys, like – McCullers has, a, has having this IL thing now that's probably actually going to help him like with his innings and like mm-hmm. let him go, go through the rest of the year once he does come back. So, Odorizzi missed time. Um, like Greinke's like the only one that it doesn't seem like anyone cares about his workload. It's just like, yeah, go <laughs> go do your thing and throw 200 innings and you'll yeah. be fine.
0: Well, when we get to, uh, when we talk about Luis Garcia, it seems like a lot of uh, the debate is whether or not he's going to be the next guy that has to move to the bullpen. And I mean, even if he does or doesn't, there's still chatter out there about him possibly making the All-Star uh, team this year. What do you think about that?
2: Um, I don't know. I haven't heard that chatter. I think it's a little early. It's like June third, June fourth, June fifth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They they decide the All. There's still like a month of stuff to go before the All-Star game. I yeah. right. I mean, like I. I don't know. I think, um, especially on the pitching side, like those you can't really do that this early. Um, but he's been really good. I mean, I. I don't think I don't think right now he'd be an all star, and um, I think it's a still a kind of relatively small sample. But he's yeah, I, I do think he's a major league starter, and like between Valdez, Arcidi, Garcia, and Javier, like they've done a great job at finding and developing these these guys who are really if they if they don't screw it up, or could you know um, help them prolong their kind of contention window there.
1: Sure. So so talking on the rotation, you know, the Astros signed McCullers to that deal back in the offseason. What was your take on the deal at the time and, and how is it looking, you know, to you right now after how he's pitched so far this year, which has been, it's been pretty solid.
2: Yeah. At the time I was surprised. Um, I, I wasn't surprised that they extended McCullers. I was surprised that like, you know, the Astros doing a five-year deal with a pitcher, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've covered the team since 2016 and they just have never done that before. Uh, I think Jeff Luno's biggest, longest pitcher contract was three years. And so obviously it's a new GM now, but um, that part of it surprised me. I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't kick in until next year. So um, my thoughts on it haven't really changed. He's, Mm -hmm. he's still young. I think the hope is like now that he's got the Tommy John behind him, like Mm -hmm you know, he's in a lot better shape moving forward. Uh, he's obviously, you know, he's got really good stuff and you add the new slider on top of what he already had. It projects pretty well that the question with him has always been like staying on the mound. Right. And, and and pitching a full season, he still hasn't pitched a full major league season, but, you know, I think um, before he got hurt uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was arguably their best starter. Um, you know his his even despite like a, a rough outing here or there and that like forty something pitch first inning against the Rangers like mm-hmm. you look at his numbers and you know at the time he went out I I would say he was their best starter.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. So going back earlier, Jake, whenever we were talking about the luxury tax and you had said something like um, you know you're kind of surprised that, you know, they wouldn't want to maximize that last year of Carlos Correa, you know, Zach Grinky, which that's something Jimmy and I have talked about recently a lot. Um, do you think that, I mean, I know he didn't sign before his unofficial deadline earlier in the year, but do you think that this actually will be the last year for Correa in Houston?
2: Yeah, yeah. I kind of like taking that stance with like all of these guys who, like, it's kind of how free agency works. Like, I know like yeah. fans, fa- sports fans have this like, dream of like every player stays in their town for life but like it (laughs) kind of doesn't happen anymore that much um like when Dallas Keuchel hit for agency it was yeah he's gone if when Garrett Cole hit for agency he's gone Springer same thing like it's just kind of like how the economics of the sport seem to to play out and um so yeah I mean I've kind of been trying to uh, write that it was like the likeliest outcome for a while now. Like I remember yeah. the, day, the day Springer signed, my story was like, here's why like Correa might be next. And like, I guess fans, like, you know, whenever you do that, they they seem to like, I don't know if it's like, like just fan bias or like you're, you're holding out hope, but um, you know, I try my best to be realistic and explain what, what's likely to happen. And I, yeah, I, I would be surprised if Correa was back. I'd be surprised if Granky was back, you know, I mean, they're in way different parts of their career, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, I mean, like what what about what we've seen the Astros do in recent years would lead you to believe that they would sign a mega contract um, to for Carlos Correa? So yeah,
0: and I think you, whenever, or go ahead, Jimmy.
1: Oh no, I was going to say, do you think that Correa is going to you know get a that I think. What we've heard is he's looking for you know that that big deal that ten, twelve years, maybe two hundred fifty million dollars. Do you think somebody's gonna give him a, a deal like that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's gonna he's on pace for like a six win season right now. Like he mm-hmm. he's it hasn't been particularly loud. Like he's not hitting a ton of homers, um, and like slugging up a storm, but like, you know, he's he's getting on base, he's he's hitting for enough power, he's he's walking strikeout rates are career bests. Mm-hmm. And he plays great defense, and he's young. So, um, yeah, I don't think he'll get Lindor's contract, but I think he's going to do really, really well for himself, a lot better than the, what was it, for the Astros offer, like five years, 125. Um, yeah. And, like, he'll pull that out of the water for sure.
0: Yeah, I think whenever his deadline passed, I think he was doing the uh, the media interview uh, with, with some of you guys, and he had said something like, the Astros made it clear that they don't want to do long-term contracts, and that's exactly what I want. I think at that point, it not only was the writing on the wall, but it was blatantly obvious that he was gone. But I, I know that there are still some fans out
2: there that do kind of, I mean, I hope we keep them, but I know we're probably not going to. I mean, they haven't signed a long-term contract. Like the McCullers deal, is, uh, which is an extension, not a free agent contract is like, you know, an outlier for this regime. I mean, I, when I say this regime, I guess I mean, Jim Crane's ownership tenure um, because it's obviously a different GM now, but um, like that that's never really been their thing. I mean, their thing was like um draft and develop and you know extract value from those those star position players during their primes before they hit for agency and then find the next ones. That's kind of um what the uh, Jeff Luno model was, mm-hmm. and I think they strayed from it a little bit um, with like extending Altuve and. And um, I guess that's really the biggest example. Um, but ultimately, like that's still like I, I don't think they're going to all of a sudden be the team that spends a ton of money on one player in free agency. Right. Yeah. So,
1: you know, Jordan Alvarez is having, I think, what we all agree is a, a really good season at this point. But it's been he, he's walking at a three point two percent walk rate right now you know, the last few years or la- 2019 is like 14% in the minors. He was, you know, well, well into the double digits. Do you think he's just being pitched differently? Do you think the, the recognition or do you think it's more just kind of a, kind of a bad stretch of games for him where he's just not really drawn a lot of walks?
2: I don't know. Um, Cause who's hitting behind them? Gurriel, right? Most mm-hmm. of the time. And like Gurriel has been their best hitter. So you would think that like, right. That I guess they're not going to pitch around Jordan. So maybe that's part of it. Um, but it's really surprising, um, and it wasn't – I don't think it's a, a like a red flag or anything just because he's still producing really well. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been surpri- more surprised at the, the lack of homers than the lack of walks. But um, the lack of walks are um, – yeah, it's, I don't really know how to explain it. It's weird because uh, he does have good plate discipline. Right. And he is good at like finding the right pitch to drive usually. Although I would say a lot more so in 2019 than this year.
1: Yeah. And and I think, I mean, like you said, overall, the numbers don't look bad, but it's just not, not kind of what we saw in 2019.
2: Yeah. It's like a quiet 830 OPS or whatever he has.
1: Right. Like on pace for 25 home runs and like 90 RBIs or something like that, which good season, but not, not what we were expecting from Jordan. But I know he's still only 24 years old. So another young hitter that, that the Astros have had that is really kind of really caught fire over the last probably month and a half, but Kyle Tucker, I know he, he got off to a really rough start uh, statistically, but the, you know, the, the uh, exit velocity and all those kind of things, the expected batting averages, the advanced stats all looked good. And it looks like over the last you know month and a half, especially during the entire month of May, pretty much he kind of, those numbers started kind of getting back to what you would expect, looking at, you know, how he was driving the ball and stuff like that. And so what, what's your take on him so far this year?
2: Yeah, he's a good hitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't really have a ton of like, <laughs> a, take, a take there. He's he's a good hitter. He was chasing a little bit too much early in the season. He, there was some bad luck early in the season, um, and baseball tends to even out over time. I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't really fall into like as a as a reporter covering the team uh, and covering baseball now for seven years. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really fall into like the small sample traps <laughs> that right. a lot of. Uh, fans do, I think, like you just like kind of realize it's 162 games, and like there's going to be ebbs and flows, and
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, people are going to freak out, people are going to get overexcited, and at the end of the season, it's going to be what it is. Um, so I think Tucker is like an above-average corner outfielder. He's playing, I think his defense has improved the last two years. Um, I didn't love him in right field in the past, but I think he's he's been pretty good. Um, and yeah, I think he's. He's him and and Alvarez are going to another reason that they should be good for the, you know, if not like elite, they should be pretty good for a while.
1: Right. So we were talking about Correa and it potentially being his last year in Astros uniform. And I think a lot, one guy that the Astros fans were really excited to watch this year was Jeremy Pena. You know, he had a, a good 2019 season and then we didn't get to see him last year because of COVID. And I think he was probably slated to maybe start in AAA this year, double A AA or triple A, but he's a guy that I think Astros fans are looking at that maybe could be a replacement for Correa. And is, do you think that's how the organization is looking at him as a, a possible guy that can take Correa's, not fill his shoes necessarily, but maybe take his take his spot on the on the field next year.
2: Um I think they thought that coming into the year, uh, and he Hugh Pena was going to be in AAA to start the year, but um I mean he basically lost the whole year with his wrist mm-hmm. injury. Even if he makes it back for a little bit, like it's not really that much. And you know, I guess there's a – you know, they can they can probably send him to like the Arizona Fall League and maybe Winter Ball and Dominican which he played last year. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it you know that injury is a big deal, um, maybe maybe it leads you to sign like a, a one of the other free agent shortstops, like a Brandon Crawford type, mm-hmm. who who can be like a stopgap for a year or two, um, for Pena or um, someone else who might come up come up. But um, yeah, I mean, they the big question with Pena is, is whether he's going to hit enough to be an everyday major leaguer. But right really good defender. Uh, I know he was hoping to like show off, uh, more of his speed on the base pass this year and run more. Um, so like he, he, he's like an all around athlete. Um, Mm -hmm. and he's improved his bat a lot. It's just, you know, I still think there's a question of like, is it an MLB everyday bat or not? Mm -hmm. So that'll probably be like one of the bigger minor league storylines coming into next spring training. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't. I mean, he could still make it up next year, but I think that pushes his the injury pushes his timeline back like, you know, a good bit. Whereas, like, you probably can't count on him next year. Right.
0: Do you think there's any uh, prospects that we have, uh, maybe the AAA or AA level, that could possibly help out the big club this year? I don't, big big club this year?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Not really. Um, <laughs> I. I mean, like you're looking at so like their biggest need is relief pitching. And right. you've kind of already seen the guys who are gonna be up. Um uh with like Peter Solomon who who I do think is good, and Tyler mm-hmm. Ivey who who's interesting, and um, you know, like Nivaldo Rodriguez is of the world, um right. Ralph, Ralph Garza, maybe Sean Dubin or Brett Canine make it up. Um, but like there's no like huge you know, impact guy coming, I don't think, uh, to, like, impact 2021. I, I do think Solomon and Ivy are, like, going to be, like, part of their pitching staff yeah. uh, in, the fu- in the future. In the future, Yeah, and, like, on the position player side, like, obviously, it's really just center field and none of those guys are on the roster. Um, you know, there's Jose Siri, who's Astros Twitter's <laughs> obsession already. And, <laughs> um, Jake Myers is kind of uh, off to a good start, and Brian De La Cruz. But like, I don't know. I think fans might underestimate like the importance of the 40-man roster and having, yep. you know, not not being on it, it drastically decreases your odds of making it up.
1: Yeah, and that's that's one thing. Like I messed you about a you know, last week or something. I was a little confused on the way that Ronnie Dawson and Alex Degoti are able to come up, but made sense with the the COVID protocols or whatever they were doing. So I know a lot of fans are clamoring for Jose Siri and I try to try to be a realist with that is yeah he's got really good numbers which a lot of the hitters in in Sugarland do right now but he's got a a really really low walk rate a really high strikeout rate and he just kind of seems like a guy who's kind of caught lightning in a bottle for you know a little bit and the numbers have started to come back down to earth a little bit and I just don't know if he's you know I think people are looking at it and saying well if Miles Straw is hitting only 220 something and not giving you great defense in the outfield, not stealing bases, why not take a chance on a guy like Siri who maybe will just at least provide you some pop?
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, the the response to why not is that, you know, okay, who are you DFAing? Who are you mm-hmm. willing to lose off the 40-man roster? And, you know, I think fans would probably list 10 names there that they're willing to lose. <laughs> but right. the front office might not be willing to lose. Um because you basically just have to give up on someone um, just for, you know, I, I think the odds of Siri being like meaningfully better than straw are like really low, like really, really low. Um, like triple A numbers are great, but like Taylor Jones constantly has great triple A numbers too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like how many times have we seen this with like the Tyler whites and Tony Kemp's and JD Davises and like that AJ Reeds, like that whole, like, era of like fresno grizzlies who constantly had like a thousand OPSs and then would come up and not hit right um like it's just a different game so i actually think like de la cruz and, and myers um might have a better chance of like being astros in the future because they were drafted and or signed and developed by the team and like i'm not saying i'm not saying this season but like if you're like watching for like Ast- players who might impact the astros in the future i think those guys actually have, like, just as good, if not a better chance than Siri, who was brought in from outside the organization. And he's, like, what, 25? Like, he's... Right. He, I think people kind of think he is what he is at this point. Like, he strikes out a ton. He has some raw power. He plays great defense. But, um, I mean, there's a reason he's been on, like, four organizations in the last 16 months or something. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: uh, What you were just saying about Jose Siri is something that Jimmy and I have basically been saying uh, as well. One thing we even kind of mentioned is I think that the, the biggest... I don't know, um, addition we could get from Jose Siri would possibly be the Astros using him as, a, as a, like a trade bait type of thing. But even then, I'm not even sure that he's that valuable uh, because of the reasons you just said. I mean, we're not trying to dump on the guy or anything like that. But I mean, the strikeout to walk ratio is just not what you're going to want. And it
2: doesn't look like it's going to get any better. I mean, he was he was available for everyone on waivers twice last year. And he was. Uh, available to anyone on a major league deal this year and he settled for a minor league deal with the Astros. So, I, you know, I think uh, the perception of his value might be a little outsized for what, it. you know, like he's, I think he's kind of viewed as like a triple a center. Fielder. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think one guy we were all looking forward to this year, which we're getting to see him play, but unfortunately he hasn't been, uh, he hasn't had the, the hottest of stars and so he struggled a little bit, but Pedro Leon, what, what are you hearing about him?
2: Just that he strikes out a lot. I haven't, uh, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't uh, been down to Corpus Christi to watch him in person yet. Um, but uh, the numbers are pretty, pretty poor. Uh, I think he's like hovering around 600 OPS. Right. Um, and he's dropped from first or second in the lineup to eighth recently. Um a lot of strikeouts, not, I think a couple homers, a couple walks, but nothing crazy. (laughs) Um, So maybe it was an aggressive assignment for him uh, in double-A coming, you know, he hadn't played in a while, like in real games. And so, yeah, I haven't heard much buzz, honestly. I don't know. I mean, they're still trying the whole shortstop thing, playing center field here and there, but like I, you know, at this point I, definitely wouldn't expect to see him in the majors this year. I thought coming into the year, there was a chance of that, but yeah. the way he's performed, I, I would say no to that.
0: With, um, with, you know, we know, we fortunately had to have Tommy John, uh, earlier in the year. And I know another name that we've just recently heard about was Francis Martez. And I, I believe he's going to be making his debut this year at triple A soon. Have you heard anything about him?
2: Um, not really. Um, other than he's joining AAA Sugarland. Um, okay. I still, I still, uh, his suspension's not up yet. It's up soon. Um, I would guess that if they do keep him, that he would be in Sugarland. Um, I'm not sure what they should do there because he's on the restricted list now. So if you when you um, reinstate him, when you reinstate him to your full 40 man roster, you've got to make a corresponding move. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, he's what, 25, 26 hasn't pitched really much since 2017 is probably, you know, I, I don't think I'm exactly going on a limb to say he's a reliever. So like, I don't think it's a shoe in that he like sticks. Um, I haven't heard, I I guess it depends on what his stuff looks like, which I haven't really heard. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think I saw, I was interacting with some fans on Twitter on Friday when when the news came out that he was joining Sugar Land. And the expectations seemed to be like straight out of 2016, 2017, where like, <laughs> oh, he's going to join the rotation. He's going to be a stud. It's like, I don't know. I feel like we have a big enough like sample size now, like guy coming off yep. two PED suspensions and a Tommy John. Like, I, it seems unlikely to be a factor to me, but right. I guess. I guess never say never. We'll see what he looks like if he if they do keep him around.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. My only hope would be that if you know we talk about needing a uh, another bullpen arm, if he can find a way to leverage his stuff into to a one inning, two inning sample, and maybe his stuff will play up a little bit. But like you said, it's been been so long since he's since he's pitched. There's no there's no telling what his stuff looks like right now.
2: Yeah, I'll be curious. Like I I, I think he could pitch any day now in Sugarland, so I'll uh, I'll be on the lookout for reports on you know what his stuff looks like.
1: Well, Jake, I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, let the people know where they can find you at, and do you have anything uh, anything coming out soon?
2: Um, nothing too imminently, um, but yeah, I would just say uh, subscribe to the Athletic, and you can read me on the Athletic. I'm on Twitter at Jake M Kaplan. Uh, I, I'm not the most active tweeter anymore because. <laughs> I'd rather you read my stuff than uh, <laughs> just 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 give it give it to you in two hundred word bits or whatever two hundred character bits. But uh, I do tweet a little bit. But um, yeah, just I would say read the Athletic. I did a mailbag last week where fans were asking about all sorts of stuff, and and uh, wrote a, a little notebook the other day about Correa and Luis Garcia, and that was actually my first in person interview one on one since. 20 february spring training 2020 was was luis garcia on wednesday nice so that oh, was cool. that was a, a good a good milestone to like to get that first one out of the way and, and finally get to talk to players in person again i like it's like a muscle i haven't flexed in a while i kind of like forget how to, how to do it but uh nice. things just starting to feel a little bit more normal on the media front like we're getting to to uh, talk to guys in person here and there, and and I think the next homestand will be on the field for BP like we used to be. So nice. uh, progress, um, and yeah, I, I was happy to come on here and talk. Hope, I feel like I was like over, uh, <laughs> I was like very negative, but <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I don't think I, uh, that at all. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just like trying to be realistic, and for sure. I, I think sometimes uh, readers and fans just have like expectations that uh and i think it's my job sometimes to like temper them when i think mm-hmm. it, it's warrant warranted right and so sometimes i feel like i come off that way but hopefully not and uh yeah i'm just uh my, my whole thing is just trying to tell it how it is and uh sure i think anyone who reads me agrees with that but uh it, it was fun to come on here and talk and uh hopefully we can do it again sometime
1: yeah i appreciate yeah, absolutely. it
2: that's Thanks, gonna do Jake. it for
1: Yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
0: And be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else.
1: As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros (laughs) in the minor league system.